Mr. Kaler. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon, Mr. Khan. And welcome back to all our listeners. Thank you again for joining us, and thank you for all your support. Without you guys, this doesn't happen. Kaler's silence lets us know that he thinks maybe that's not a bad thing. (laughs) (laughs) Trouble in paradise. (laughs) Speaking of trouble in paradise, Mr. Kaler, have you noticed the price of gas has gotten quite high? Certainly my pocket has. Mr. Khan and I went out into our universe of dozens and talked to some of the friends of our show to get their take on the high gas prices. And here's what they said. So I'm feeling it. it has it affected me? Um, it probably has, but I don't, I don't do the finances in my home. So I don't pay attention to anything. Let's just say from a food standpoint, Karutis uh, has been consuming a lot more pasta these days. Carbs are not my friends. <laughs> But I've embraced the Rienzi, not even the fancy pasta. You know what? These are the sacrifices that I have to make right now. (laughs) So there we go. The reactions ran the gamut, Mr. Kaler. Yeah, from uh, food to economics. And to, you know, I know they've gone up, but it's not really something that's front and center in my mind. So based on that, we decided to head out and uh, take a look, see what was going on. Testing, testing. And what's the range on this? If you get too far away, it'll give you a little electric shock, so. Oh, really? No. And then, Mr. Kaler, new technology again. Yes, it's it's courtesy to your forward thinking, we'll call it. Some would call it a compulsion. Okay. But it works. (laughs) And then, it's out to the parking lot. Listen, um, should we take your Corvette? Uh, yeah, okay, we could do that. Or we could take we could take my Subaru. I have to say I'm disappointed that I still have not gotten a ride in the Kaler Corvette. Uh, I haven't either. But Mr. Kaler, I want our listeners to appreciate the mortal peril we put ourselves into to gather this audio. It was frightening. Yes, and here we caught it on tape. Well, here's our first problem. Waze says it has no... Our first problem is I queued up the wrong track. (laughs) Hold on a second. Stand by. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Here's the peril. And now please give a warm welcome to the Booze Alley stage, the Eric Felton (laughs) Jack. Once again, I think that's the wrong clip. I think you're correct, sir. (laughs) It's a good thing we can edit this. (laughs) So here it is, Kayla, the evidence of peril that we faced. Holy cow, this guy's spending a long time going the wrong way. Jeez, and this guy's cutting us off. <laughs> 3.30 p.m. on a uh, on a weekday afternoon. All right, let's make sure nobody else decides to drive towards us in the wrong lane. This guy is trying to make a left, isn't he? Where the sign clearly says, no left. Is it clearly? Clearly, I mean, <laughs> there's a big red circle. He's going left. And there we go, Mr. Kaler. Danger on the roads. Road monitors. Beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> Mr. Kaler, once we evaded the dangers on the road, the next thing we did, we kept our eyeballs open and we just like checked out gas prices. And here's what we saw. All right, let's and... see. We're coming up on some gas stations. Okay. Let's see what we've got here. Oh, 435. So we're going to say. And there's. Mobile right across the street. 435. Okay, so there's parity there. 435. So 431. That's a shell station. What do we got here? 459. Great googly moogly. That is not okay, okay, petroleum. (laughs) 
And there you have it, Mr. Kaler. Gas prices were indeed high when we were driving around. Yeah, slightly higher than they are today. Indeed. Now, we also had uh, folks, they they were uh, ruminating about their vehicle. You know, this got them thinking about their car choice. I have a Chevy that likes to eat gas and drink it up. Well, it's funny because uh, two years ago I purchased a uh, Dodge Ram 1500. <laughs> I went from a Prius to the Dodge. So would it be nice to have the Prius still? Yes. So there you go. People are thinking about their cars. Some folks are looking at it as a little bit of a liability right now because of the size of the gas tank. Some people are looking back with fondness at their hybrid vehicles. And let's face it, we as Americans, we love yeah. our cars. And we just can't stop traveling. We're a mobile people. And is a very good point. There are some very important reasons why you can't necessarily stop traveling, as uh, we heard from our friends of the show. Not to mention the weekends or going to different states for soccer. Yeah, I haven't cut out any trips. I've uh, maybe added to my work, my, uh, the amount of time that I'm working at my second job. And there you go. So travel sports. If your child is playing a travel sport, there's no way that you're going to say, well, we're going to sit this one out. You got to go. You got to drive. And if you drive for work, if you're a landscaper. Or just commuting to work on a daily basis. Absolutely. As you are, sir. I think we all do. Well, you have a more significant commute from the idyllic east end of Long Island. I do. I'm proud of it. Absolutely. We know that. So we got to wondering for this episode, what makes gas prices so volatile? We also got to thinking, were there any specific strategies that our respondents use to try and cope with those high prices? And finally, people really seem to be thinking about their vehicle. So is this one of those moments in our history that might change our tastes in vehicles? Everybody's going to drive a Tesla. Mm, Elon would like that, wouldn't he? Yes. So. Our story begins in the world of economics with supply and demand. Ah, the most basic of economic concepts. Very simple. Mr. Kaler is going to uh, treat us to his supply side <laughs> explanation of things. Well, let's face it. The amount of gasoline that, or the amount of oil, petroleum, that is used, it comes down to how much is being dug up out of the ground, how much being is being refined. And let's face it, there are some major factors that wind up influencing and affecting how much supply of gasoline or oil there is. So if the supply is tight, that is there's a scarcity of oil, prices, what do they do? They go up. And then on the flip side, when there's a glut. When there's plenty of oil, prices tend to go down. Excellent. And so we have some of those effects, some of those events out there in the world or here in the United States that wind up affecting supply. We talk about hurricanes emanating down in the Gulf, wiping out or taking out those oil refineries that are in the Gulf, and that's going to shut down production. So that's going to decrease your supply. Uh, global conflicts, like what might be going on right now, mm. is going to have an effect on supply as well. And then lastly, you and I talked about this, and it's a very recent event, the threat of cyber attacks through the use of technology shut down various pipelines that transport that oil from the refineries or from the source to the refineries. And we had that incident just a few years ago with the Colonial Pipeline that was shut down for several days. 
Right, and that kind of leads nicely into the other side of the coin, the demand side of the equation. Demand, demand, demand. Gimme, 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 gimme. So on the demand side of things, when demand is high, people are willing to pay more for something because it is coveted, it is seen as desirable. So yes, I will pay more for that. And when the demand is low, people aren't willing to pay as much for something. And the price goes down because, well, I can take it, I can leave it and it's not moving off the shelves, so the seller has to lower the price in order to get it to move. Clearance time. Exactly, the blue light special. <laughs> anyway, you know, some examples of that going on. You get more motorists on the road in the summertime. People are driving off to Wally World in California and more people wanting gasoline and the price of gasoline goes up in the summer. Also, the fear <laughs> of scarcity, whether it exists yet or not, can drive prices up. You mentioned the Colonial Pipeline. One of the things that could have happened in our region, the Northeast, was people could have gotten rattled and scared and started going out and buying more gasoline than they needed. You know, top off the car, let me fill up some cans. And that would have created an artificial scarcity here. Now, specific to today, putting that in today's terms, thinking about effects on the supply, effects on the demand, Mr. Kaler, what have we got going on? Well, I mean, if you think about the world that we've lived in in the last several years, um, you know, once COVID hit back in 2020, two years ago, people were shut in, movement was constricted. And so you have the reduced amount of refining that's taking place down on the Gulf Coast. So, so let you have that supply drastically dropping because people aren't using it. There is no demand uh, for okay. the gas. So we're shut in, we're locked down, demand drops. And so the price drops as well. Okay, next up, we have the economic recovery. So fits and starts, but finally, through this winter, the economy started to run back up again. And so there was more demand because people were traveling more were on planes. The issue is though, refineries being a business, when they saw a lack of demand, they throttled back their production. They furloughed workers. And so now suddenly they're scrambling to increase production, refining oil into gasoline products, and they can't match the rise in demand exactly. It's not like just flipping a switch and you get more gasoline. So now, Demand is increasing, but the supply is low because refineries can't match the output. And as a consequence, what happens to price? Price goes up. And that's the beginning of the rise in gas prices that we were seeing long before Russian troops started to mass on the border of Ukraine. Which brings us to Mr. Kaler. What's going on in Eastern Europe now? The conflict in Ukraine. Of course, it's primarily between the Ukraine and, and Russia. Russia invading the eastern part of the Ukraine. You know, it led to a decrease in supply. And even before the event started, there was the fear of scarcity. And so that would be like an, an increase in demand because in response to a perceived threat of scarcity in the future. Sure, people panic. Going back to the example you talked about before, let's fill up those gas cans. And then of course you have uh, sanctions being imposed upon uh, Russia. And even before those sanctions were put into place, businesses did not want no, no, to no. be involved with a Russian petroleum company knowing that there would be impending um, sanctions on, on that oil. 
Right. Like if you ran a company that specialized in shipping oil across the Pacific Ocean and you see what's coming, there are no sanctions just yet, but you fear that that could happen. Who wants to get stuck with a boatload of Russian oil after sanctions come across and nobody can touch it? Well, that's where that oil then gets sold at a very low price. Yeah, they did. To somebody who, you know, to a third party who, is, who needs oil. Yeah. Yeah, and they actually did deeply yeah. discount oh, yeah, their oil. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, so, and then the, the thing is, you know, here in the U.S., we don't buy that much Russian oil, but since it's a global commodity, there's only so much of the oil pie to go around. Um, if you're not buying oil from Russia, you're buying oil from someplace else, and that puts a squeeze on the non-Russian oil, and so that means supply goes down mm -hmm. and price goes up. Yeah. How can we get ourselves some relief out there? And I, you know, we'll we'll turn to your favorite bomb, government policies. Oh, great. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we uh, we as Americans, you know, the first person or entity that we look to for salvation is the government. So, of course, you ask the question: Well, what can the government do? I mean, the government could try to throw its weight around Come a little on. bit and convince oil Come producers on. to increase their output. Obviously, for oil companies, you know, since they're in it to make a profit, that might not necessarily be in their best financial interest because, well, you know, if prices are slightly higher, they're going to make more profit. You know, the government can also, as the administration has done, release some oil from these strategic reserves. Honestly, I don't know where those are. Maybe it's some big building somewhere in the middle of... Salt Cavern. Oh, it's underground. It's stored in the ground. And where? Uh, so... Are we talking North Dakota? No. <sighs> Next to the missiles? The flammable missiles? The f <laughs> no, um, my mind, my memory wants to say it's in the southeast somewhere, but yeah, I wouldn't trust that. And so there's a lot of barrels of oil just stored away someplace. Well, I mean, they're not actually in barrels. Oh. They're pumped into the salt cavern. Oh, you see, I learn something new every day. There you go. But here's the question. It would be a lot of metal. What happens when, when the well goes dry? Well, you know, well, well, the idea would be, you know, uh, at some point in time, you hope that the crisis is done and you can Replenish. restock. Ah, okay. You know, the reserve was established after the OPEC oil embargo. And so it was a bridge should the OPEC nations ever again try to use oil as a, a you know economic weapon against us. A rainy day for exactly. a rainy day. Exactly. It's a rainy day fund. And now, you know, tapping into it. It also has a psychological effect. When people hear that, you know, oil's coming out of the reserves, it addresses that psychological side, the fear of scarcity. Sure, because government is coming to the aid, to their aid. And then speaking of government policy, I guess the last one would be the government, whether it's federal government or individual state governments, saying, hey, we're going to now put an end, a temporary end to those uh, gas taxes. Yes, New York State, that's that's proposed. And I think one of the things that is interesting is how difficult it is to actually send the taxes because of the mechanism, the policy mechanism to put these taxes into place. Well, also, I think government enjoys having that flow, that constant flow of money in, and to now take a, you know, cut the umbilical mm. cord, 
that's a tough decision. Hey, listen, every policy has its good side and its bad side. There is no such thing as perfect policy and every policy can and does have unintended consequences. So it's difficult to foresee all the different permutations of how policy plays out. And you're quite right. Our politicians are doing some political calculus, I'm sure, balancing the need to fund government versus the need to give people a break at the pump. So let me ask you this. Yes, sir. Why did prices, why did they go up so quickly? Um, and yet they go down just ever so slightly, a couple of cents here, a couple of cents there. Yeah, so the industry actually has a, a phrase for this, that prices go up like a rocket and come down like a feather. You know, the, the gut instinct, and maybe more so, depending on where you live and how cynical you are, is that you have shady gas station owners who are taking advantage. Uh-oh, was that a little too... You winced when I said that. Was that a little was that a little too pointed? Well, no, it's they're, but they're businesses and let's face it, businesses are in it for Well, that's true. One thing. Yeah, they're they're to in make it money. To, to, Nobody's to in it to lose profit, money. Maximize yeah. profits. I yep. guess the shadiness would be price gouging. Ah, uh, yes. which you know, after which Hurricane Sandy, yeah. we saw that. So, you know, that's that's one suspicion that people have. There is, however, a, a rational reason for prices to settle a little bit lower, and that is that when the gas station buys the gasoline, they buy all of their gasoline that they're filling their tanks with that day at whatever the market price is. Sure. So, if they buy it when the price of gas is high, right? And then the very next day, the price of a barrel of oil drops. And you're like, hey, price of oil is dropping. How come the gas is still expensive? Well, they're still selling off the gas that they bought at that higher, at that price. higher price. Yeah. So, you know, there there is a rational explanation for it. How satisfied you, dear listener, are with that, you know. Okay, Mr. Kaler, since, you know, government intervention, then maybe it works, maybe it comes too late. Um, on an individual's size of things. That was our next question. What kind of strategies can people employ? And 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 we were out there hitting the pavement again, asking those questions. And, and here's what we've learned. I'm just sucking it up, I think. All right. Some people, as they said, just sucking it up. But we do have some strategies that they could use. Mr. Sure. Kaler? Sure. I mean, I think one of the most basic strategies is, you know, we can monitor our, our driving speeds, uh, not drive so erratically with our accelerations and decelerations, drive at a more consistent speed to be more fuel efficient. I'm just probably trying to just not speed too much, you know, not suck up the gas or, or, or waste it, trying to maybe conserve a little bit more just in how I drive. Okay. Yeah. I do watch my speed though now. I don't want to go too fast. There's no like, you know, I don't want, I don't pull out too fast and I don't, you know, I don't drive. You know, exceeding the speed limit ever. And from there, Mr. Kaler, carpooling. Have anybody in my area I could carpool with? Not riding a bike on the, <laughs> on the sag. <laughs> we talked about uh, carpooling at one point. Yes, but, but unfortunately I can't cooperate with that because uh, I have to coach after school, so that's yeah, out. I don't coach either. Um, I actually thought about waiting for you for, co for coaching because I oh. want to carpool. Wow, that's awesome. a good partner. Yeah. Mr. Kaler, that's a bromance, right? <laughs> yeah. I think that's nice. nice. Have to be honest with you, uh, no carpooling at the moment. That 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 could potentially um, lead to <laughs> socialism. Socialism. No. Um, however, if 
these continue, carpooling could be one of the uh, elements that I might have to strategize in combating rising gas prices. And let me just say, I would carpool with you in a heartbeat. I have a heated seat waiting for you, buddy. Nice. Some other th uh, techniques that we can use. Sure, for those, uh, you know, those people that are driving on the highways where speeds are a little bit higher, I think one of the, uh, the best ones is, uh, you know, you could use that cruise control feature if your car has it. Again, that goes back to that consistent, uh, constant speed where your engine runs a lot more efficiently. You can also avoid excess idling. Shut that engine down if you're just hanging out, waiting for your kid to run into Soul Bowl and get a delicious acai bowl. Or you could, as you're thinking about things to do on the weekend, on a Saturday, you could plan your trip to minimize, you know, how many miles you're going to be driving. Let's go to the supermarket, drop the, you know, your student athlete off, go to the cleaners and then do it in reverse order instead of going home each time and, and uh, you know, using that excess gasoline. And we have rewards programs. Um, some gas stations have rewards programs, sometimes supermarkets or uh, club stores like BJ's or Costco's. Uh, you can get discounted gas. And then we also had some people who came up with psychological tricks uh, to sort of the games, that, the, the mind games that you play on yourself. Exactly. To try exactly. and make yourself believe you're being efficient. Exactly. So here's what we heard. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I don't ever really fill it. Maybe that's the problem. You know, okay. I'm like a half. But you're always topping it off. 60% girl, I guess. Okay. <laughs> All right. There is one. And okay. It's a strategy that I, I, I highly recommend to everyone out there. Um, you don't wait till your tank gets fully <laughs> empty. So when it gets to about half, I go fill it up. It doesn't uh, hurt as bad. Big difference. A student of human wow. nature right there. Yeah. It's a small victory, I guess. Okay. You know, try right. to keep the morale up. All right. So what was funny about that, of course, was that they have... The different, you know, one is working on the, the 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 lower half of the gas gauge, and the other is working on the higher half of the gas gauge. In the end, you're still putting the same amount of money into the tank, but as both of them pointed out, it's not all coming out in one big chunk. You're lessening the impact. Yeah, and you know what? In all seriousness, depending on somebody's economic situation, that might be all that they can swing. You got to do what you got to do. Sure. Yeah. And then friends of the show, given in Tampori. They took this idea of, 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 you know, rolling with half a gas tank to a whole nother level. So here, here was their insight. You, you know what I thought about one time? Was, oh boy. Um, not filling my tank up all the way. Like filling it only halfway. So like the car maybe get more gas mileage, like less weight. Because it's lighter? Carrying less weight. Yeah, going halfway. and then But I have to fill up more, so I don't know. The physics. What if right. you, in addition to that, you skip breakfast for the ride in. You'd weigh less. If I, if I release some gas, I would weigh less too. Wow. I'm not sure what to do with that. Are you, Mr. Taylor, you know where to go with that? I hope that makes the cut. <laughs> Indeed, it made the cut, Mr. Gibbon. Congratulations. Last but not least, we can comparison jump. And that's what Mr. Khan and I did. We hopped into the car and tried a few of the gas apps out there to see how it would go. Indeed, but before we did that, let's hear what our friends 
given in Tambori had to say. You know what we've been talking about is cheaper uh, gas uh, stations. Cheaper gas stations, yes. So we've been talking but about what particular gas stations were cheaper. There's an ultra gas station. Ultra. What, so how do you find out about this? Do you just go around Are you just eyeballing? We, we search do, or do you use Yes, some we map? eyeball as we, as we go by gas stations okay. and we, we, we compare. By the way, once I said eyeballing, were we all picturing Lou Gossett Jr. yelling at Richard Gere? Yes. Wow, that's an old reference. A certain demographic. So, Mr. Khan, we hopped into your utilitarian vehicle, the Subaru, and we popped on the app Waze. And here's how it went. Well, here's our first problem. Waze says it has no GPS. Like a typical Apple phone. I thought Waze just told you about directions. Oh, oh no. Waze can tell you everything. It's a, <laughs> it's a lifestyle, Mr. Kaler. Is, it, is that the one you said, Bezos? It's actually, it's part Google. Of, Google bought it. Is it? Yeah, Google bought them. They started off independent and then Google bought them because that's what you do, right? Big fish eats the little fish before little fish gets big enough to eat the big fish. Next up, Mr. Kaler, after that. Apple, Apple Maps. Aha, nearby gas. But this doesn't give me prices. Darn it. And finally. I think the most popular of all the gas apps, Gas Buddy. The cheapest within a, uh, what's the radius? It, the cheapest is three miles away, 3.3 miles away. Okay. It's a BP. It's uh -oh. on Jericho and Rural Place in Comac. Okay, so, so uh, they are all three miles, uh, 3.5, one is four miles. This, the, the Speedway has a 14 cents buyback though. Oh, look Calvert at, Avenue. Where is Calvert Avenue? Uh, let's see. Directions continues. You know, Mr. Keller, it occurs to me that the weakness that all of these apps have is that it can't actually drive the car there <laughs> for two idiots who get lost yeah, in we, the parking uh, lot. We really sound like uh, two old people lost in a supermarket. Uh, all right, Mr. Keller. So, in fairness to Waze, once I did reboot the app, it did give me the data that I wanted, but I still think, at least that day, Gas Buddy seemed to have more updates for the stations than Waze did. And I think that's just uh, because you have more people who are using Gas Buddy to find the cheap gas. But I did like the Waze interface because it'll, you know, put it right on the map. You could see where it is. You heard our befuddlement when Gas Buddy just gave us a street name. We're like, where is that? Sure. And. Uh, you know, I think, like you said, it was the, uh, you know, because it's the most popular, apparently the most popular amongst people that use it, they're inputting that data more often and therefore it's more relevant. There is one final thing to think about here, you know, in our, our little cursory examination of market economics, and that is the market, theoretically, tells you what the right decision to make is when it comes to a buying or selling or what should I buy kind of thing. In that, we theoretically guided by Adam Smith's invisible hand, we should be picking the thing that is the best value at the lowest price. And that by doing that, the invisible hand will drive us all to the greatest collective good for all of us. And there we go with collective again. Well, e pluribus unum. It's on the money, it has to be right. <laughs> The market is sending us a signal, it's sending us a message that gas is scarce. So the question then is, 
Are people picking up on this message and is it going to affect consumer choice when it comes to purchasing the next car? And what's going to be, you know, if, if we're talking about a world in which gas prices are significantly higher than they were a year ago, how is that going to change people's view, not only in the car, but really on the whole point of travel altogether. Yeah, and here's what our interviewees had to say. Oh yeah, I think it totally would. And it might affect my husband's truck ownership right now mm. because he's got an older Ford that likes to eat the gas more than my car. So Would you go electric? Uh, I'd order a Tesla if I had the money, but you know. Um, yeah, so I don't know if I'd go maybe a hybrid. Yeah, I'd probably start with a hybrid. I would not be going any bigger than I already am at this point, that's for okay. sure. No smart car for me, though. Would you get rid of your Dodge? Um, no, I'm, that truck is staying with me forever. Okay. Um, my next purchase will just be a bigger, better truck <laughs> now that I'm pulling a camp around. You can't put a price tag on fun. Mm, okay. Um, I'm so, I, I love driving a truck. I won't go back. I just saw the commercial this morning for the Chevy, the new 2022 Chevy, 2023, they're taking orders for the new electric, fully electric Chevy Silverado. I would be, I would, I would look into an electric vehicle. And for someone who drove a Prius for seven years, I actually felt like I was doing my due diligence, mm -hmm. not leaving a big, huge footprint on this planet. Nice. But when you walk around size 14, sometimes it's inevitable. You're going to leave a big footprint. Go electric. <laughs> Depends what the Carutus budget looks like. You know, I mean, you don't have to go full out Tesla Roadster. You could go Nissan Leaf, you a sensible what? car for I, a sensible man. I would be... Mr. Keller, why are you laughing? I would be <laughs> pondering a switch depending on the gas prices when my car lease is up. And to combat the rise of carbohydrate intake, I could potentially go bicycle. And would you then look at a small car? I have to say, it has in the past. No. I just bought a car, so I will have this car for a while. But if it stays at $4 a gallon after I'm done with it, it's electric time. Gas prices went up last time, but I bought, a, I bought the Ultima. My Nissan mm -hmm. Ultima. I went from, a, I think, an Explorer to an Ultima, and I think it was saving me an extra... $20 a week at that time, so it added to that. Well, there you got it, man. People are thinking. People are thinking about it. Yeah, it'll be interesting, uh, you know, what kind of a shift we have as a culture over the next few years. Yeah, so Mr. Kaler, let's give the folks a quick rundown about the, you know, things that we learned today. Oh, it's that time again. Oh, it's time. All right, so I guess I'll start with gas prices are volatile. They go up, they go down. We've seen a lot of up, and whenever supply is affected or demand increases, there's gonna be a price spike. We also learn there are a number of strategies we can use to counteract higher prices. Most powerful, use the power of the free market to your advantage and go comparison shopping with the help of an app like Gas Buddy. Waze worked pretty well too once I rebooted it. And then lastly, high prices send a signal to us, the consumer. And there are a lot of consumers out there that are that are hearing the, these signals and thinking about what their next car purchase might be. So Dr. Kaler. Dr. Khan. Does it look like market theory is explaining what we see and the good news for all those PhD economists who are quaking in their boots, oh no, will Kaler and Khan unmask our profession <laughs> and cast it out on us? Uh, it does seem like economic theory is explaining stuff. Yes, economics 101 is uh, 
seems to be true. Yeah, it's a shame we couldn't get the AP economics teacher to weigh in on this, isn't it? Yeah, that would have been uh, that would have been a real treasure. All right then, Mr. Kelly, Mr. Khan, live long and prosper. Yeah, Love but you too. embrace all ideas, though. There I you say. go. Okay. There you this go. is a marketplace of ideas. Mm -hmm. A hodgepodge of the insanity. A potpourri of humanity, if you will. <laughs> All right, well, gentlemen, thank you very much for that feedback. Oh, I, I think, uh, no I problem. Think the, I hope we come, you know, we guess again. Uh, Next time, I want bushier microphones. This <laughs> 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 keeping anything for you. Yeah, yeah. I love it. We're signing off now. Good stuff. Yeah, we're gonna sign <laughs> off. Yeah. End it with that. <laughs> <laughs>